0: You're listening to Legends Cast, a proud member of the Camp Legend Podcasting Network. This episode is brought to you by listeners like you. To become a supporter of the show, visit patreon.com slash camplegend. Hello and welcome to Legends Cast Season Four, the Starter Set. My name is Mark of the Lift from outside of Pittsburgh, PA, and with me today at my legendary and ever people co-host, Dead Broke Nerd, and my catastrophically creative co-host, Gibbles and Bits. We're gonna kick it to Gibbles this time, Gibby. How you doing today, man? I'm doing great, man. It is
1: uh, the Friday before a long weekend, MLK Day being on Monday, and my company, thankfully uh celebrates mlk day so it is a a day off for me looking forward to some uh, an an extra 24 hours away from the uh, the good old ball and chain chair and desk uh, of of the normal job so uh gonna be really happy to, to have a long weekend got some family coming in town i am in a fantastic mood
0: awesome that's great that's great yeah it's uh it's nice to i mean i don't think i have a long weekend my daughter does so good for her uh dbn man how about you how are you doing today doing
2: really good, man. Um, you know, it's been a, uh, a busy week at work, but, uh, this is the, uh, I feel, I was going to say the third, um, podcast. That's not true. Uh, the second episode we've recorded, uh, this week, or did we record something on Monday?
0: No, we played D D together on Monday. Oh, right. Then we recorded almost Legends on Tuesday, and now we're recording Legends Cast on Friday.
2: And I played D D uh with uh my home group on Thursday. <laughs> so I've been like <laughs> online, like on Discord calls like so much this week. It's crazy. Uh between that and like our unite practices, like I feel like I've just been on Discord all
1: week. <laughs> all good things though. All good things. Yeah,
2: yeah. No, I'm doing great, man. Um been uh, been playing a lot of games. Looking forward to the long weekend though to catch up on some things. I'm a little bit behind on my battle pass. I let the holidays totally screw up my battle pass, and I didn't get the uh, Silver Surfer alt art from last season. I'm livid because it's my favorite of the alt arts so far. I thought I had another week, and because I was like, you know, Christmas, New Year's, doing traveling, all that stuff, I, I missed it. I'm bummed, you know. Um, so. Uh... <laughs> So the uh, this season I will not be I will not be missing these alt arts I will be completing Mm-mm. my battle pass not this it. time
0: <laughs> yeah you'll you'll make sure you'll make sure that you get it in there yeah man no I uh I you know had a really we had a really great week and I'm actually playing Dungeon Dragons tonight so I I played uh, yes. a ball, yeah also I mean my life is lived on Discord and on on the computer screen in front of a camera but uh, I'm playing in in a Lux game I ran a Lux digital church game uh, on monday night the dbn was in and then i'm playing in one tonight which i'm super pumped about because i'll be honest with you this doesn't have anything to do with marvel snap thank goodness there's not much drama in the marvel snap community seemingly right now but man is there a lot in the wizards of the coast community right now and it is absolutely on fire at the moment um because wizards of the coast run by hasbro came out and changed their open use agreement, which allowed people to freely make content using their rule set. And have decided not only are you no longer allowed to freely do it, they're nullifying the old set. They can steal any of the content that you make that uses their rule set. And you have to begin paying them an exorbitant amount of money. And at any time they can revoke your right to use the rules if they don't like the content that you're making. And so, you know, in the gaming world, if you're a TTRPG player, which all three of us are, it's it's kind of big news right now. There's tons of creators. So I've been watching a lot of YouTube this week and following some of the stuff that's going on with that. I think literally as we're recording it, today is the day that every content creator who does custom D&D worlds and D&D settings has to sign the new MOU or they're out. And they will literally be cease and desist and sued. Um and Wati yeah, has said I, nothing.
2: Yeah, and I think that I saw Cobalt Press, which is one of the biggest uh companies that does a lot of like supplemental stuff, and all of the some of the most popular ones out there, sometimes some of them are more popular than the like actual material that Wizards of the Coast does. It seems like uh I saw a thing saying that they're announced that they're gonna make their own system to compete well, instead yep. of uh comply with the Good. demands
0: of wizards, uh which is very interesting development, and I saw somebody who made one of the most interesting posts, and and I could not have possibly agreed more. And it, they just said, "Wizards of the Coast is not what makes Dungeons and Dragons amazing. Dungeons and Dragons is not amazing because it's the best system available. Dungeons and Dragons, Dungeons and Dragons is amazing because of it the way it has allowed third party creators to create content for it. The collaborative hive mind of creators." is what has made a game like Dungeons & Dragons so amazing, not the fact that it's D&D. And I could not have agreed more because I love so many systems more than D&D, but I still play D&D. And so uh, that's neither here nor there. It's just been like kind of like what has been going on in my mind in the world of gaming. I haven't had a lot of time to game outside of Snap and watching YouTube videos and builds for D&D recently. That's kind of been my... My one of my latest obsessions you're, so. you're
2: you're you're hankered for some for some d i
0: see i am i'm hankering for it man i'm playing my light yeah. cleric tonight shoot some dude with shoot some dudes with the beam of light um but tonight radiant but this is a digital <laughs> card game podcast and one thing that DD is not as is digital card game um and so we want to th- not yet not yet who knows who knows <laughs> Sorry, <the laughs> agreement. if hasbro thinks they can make a quick buck there we might get one next month um
2: honestly i could see it i legit could see a DD themed you know water deep uh yeah, they've got all these great board games, you know, I mean,
1: and
0: boards of
2: water deep and
0: they already have cards. Magic the Gathering and D&D yeah. did a crossover in which there's beautiful artwork from Magic the Gathering D&D cards. So, hey, maybe as one long day. As, hey, as long as they don't do use uh, the magic system mechanics. Yeah. Create a new system yeah. for us. Please. Um, So we want to dive in and talk a little bit about snap and would love to just know how you guys snap in this week. What have you been experimenting with and playing any you know, it's so rare when you're podcasting about a card game that you can actually talk about new and cool pulls that you've gotten because it just doesn't happen once you've collected everything, but none of us have. So any cool pulls and stuff that you've gotten this week you're particularly excited about? Uh, yeah, give me a go first. Tell us about your week in Snap.
1: Yes, it, it, 100%. I have had some cool new developments within my account of of Marvel Snap. I It's been the game that I have been in the most. Uh, This week, ever since I, like Ian, got sidetracked by the holidays and did not complete my Battle Pass, I shot from Battle Pass level 3 to like 40 in the matter of, I'll say, 6 hours, trying to frantically get somewhere meaningful within my last Battle Pass. And I did buy the current Battle Pass too, so um, and I've been on top of that. But I've been playing a lot of Snap, and I pulled, I think a couple days ago, I pulled Magneto.
0: It's a really great, which card. is
1: is fun. Being a six cost that drags all of the three and four costs over to one location. So my favorite deck that I've been playing, I call it the Bowling Alley, and it is uh, Magneto and Kingpin and Arrow and Polaris. Everything that kind of moves stuff around, you can manipulate your opponent's side of the board to get it to where you want to. And on that big turn six swing of, you've got Kingpin in a location. You play Magneto at that same location. He drags over all of their three and four costs and then kills them, all of them. Kingpin kills all of them. So I've been loving playing that deck. And then yesterday, yesterday, I hit the Holy Grail of pool three that I've been waiting for. For a long time, I pulled Patriot.
0: Oh, okay. Okay. So
1: I've been wanting to try. I know it's, it's meta. I know it's not unique, but I've wanted to try a Patriot deck for a long time. Before I even knew and I've mentioned it on a previous episode, I like theory crafted this idea for a deck, and then someone goes, Oh, you mean like a Patriot deck? And I was like, What are you talking about? I didn't even know what the card did. So I finally have Patriot now. I haven't built a Patriot deck, but I'm sure it's not gonna be old it's not gonna be hard to find one. And I also have brood now. I use some collectors tokens to get brood. So 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 I first off
2: while Patriot is really strong uh, and really good um, and maybe arguably a little bit boring, one thing I do like about it is that it does have a lot of options in terms of like it's not like it's pre- like, pre-scripted. Like you can do a one drop sure. version with like Ultron um, that's really probably like one of the most potent and explosive, but it also is vulnerable to like all of the kill from like Killmonger and stuff like that. Um, you know, you can do versions where, uh, you know, you, you can use it uh, with like Silver Surfer and a bunch of, you know, three drops and stuff like that. Um, but you can also do like this general curve out big stuff like personally speaking for myself and uh, Dead Broke Dad uh, as massive Fantastic Four fans. The reason we love Patriot is not so much because of Patriot, but because you can actually use the thing one of the coolest and most beloved characters with like so much heart and attitude and story behind this character. And he has literally no effect. It's a bummer. Um, I want them to bump him to seven powers so that he literally stands out from, uh, white queen who, uh just just better has just strictly better (laughs) um if they give him one more power then he'll be a four mana seven power and then it's like okay like nobody else really does that like that's cool um so anyways uh you can use the thing with it which is which is um which is pretty great
1: yeah lots of options so enjoying snap loving it playing all the time i was playing a couple games before i got in to stream here today but uh dbn what about you what have you been uh snapping Um. Well. So. Okay. Here's the thing. Um, I still
2: am hooked on Thanos. Like, I can't stop <laughs> I'm playing still that. Still
0: playing it.
2: I, I. I'm. I'm obsessed, man. Like, I swear. Uh. Oh. Also, can I throw one thing out there a little off top before I talk about this? Yeah. I had an idea that I think is amazing for a new card for Snap that I just really wanted to share. Oh. us Here craft. Do it. All do right. It. So. Um, you know, you've got all of these. Um. Uh, patriot decks right really cool um but my idea was for like a cool top end alternative um maybe like a a four power uh or something like that which is uh general ross so if you guys know from the marvel he he's the he's the guy um that did the sokovia chords in like the movies uh but he's also like he hunts down the hulk and he's like um always like uh trying to you know, be like in the background. He's like a politician. So my idea was, what if you had General Ross? He'd be like a four or five energy guy with one power. But what he did is when he comes into play, he turns the location into Washington, D.C.
0: Oh, and that's the one that you get that plus three power. The, yeah. Yeah.
2: I thought that'd be so cool. You know what I mean? And any, like super any, flavorful. Yeah.
0: Any anything that like does. Uh, you know, area control and manipulation, and changes it into new areas. I think all of those. Are I really love cool that
2: ideas. stuff. Yeah, yeah, but like, but you know, it's like a sacrifice. Like, you know, you'd have to like already have stuff at that location. It's probably not as good as like just Patriot Mystique, but like you can get value out of it guaranteed. You know, I don't know. I just think it'd be super cool to have like you know, and then of course if he's coming down on like four, I'm thinking four power or four energy. Then there's still time for somebody to flip it back. Um, the magic, you know, if he's coming like down that, on yeah. curve, yeah, exactly. So, anyways, that was just an idea I had, uh, which I thought was was cool because I do love turning locations into other locations. Yeah, uh, but anyways, I'm just mostly playing Thanos. Um, I pulled a Tuma, which I think is a tier four card or a pool four card. Um, yeah, I
1: think four or five it's not i know he's not pool three no
2: and i think that means because i pulled him like randomly i think he's going to get this first edition badge that they just announced once that like rolls out um which is kind of cool i will get a first edition badge for thanos too thank you very much um but uh but what's so neat about this is that like it's a it's a card which on the surface isn't very like useful because he's kind of like the whole um uh was it um is it Warbird and uh Namor that like they they kind of need you to like leave locations sort of undisputed and stuff like that? Oh Warpath? Warpath. Is it War yeah. Warpath? Okay. Um and uh I was thinking about it uh, you know, and I was like, oh, it's probably not good. But apparently Deadbrook Dad pulled it and has built a deck that uses it um, you know, with Invisible Woman and uh Zero and Taskmaster and stuff like that. Uh, and it's just basically playing it with just like you would before and it is a new addition to like the whole uh Typhoid Mary uh Red Skull zero deck which sounds super exciting if yeah. i had invisible woman <laughs> or zero <laughs> i have Not neither of them woman. i don't have zero i have invisible woman pinned in the shop right now i'm 100 coins away so i'm hoping to pull some collector's tokens uh soon to to snatch up invisible woman which will help with my Hella deck Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, zero, I, I re I've been wanting to pull zero for forever. I just, I want to play yeah. ma I want to play all these cards. So, um, looking forward to that. That's my top number one card on my wish list right now.
0: Speaking of, uh, Helodex, that's what I pulled this week, which has been on the top of my wish list for a very long time. By the way, I had Thanos and shop pinned it somehow accidentally unpinned it and lost it. Not happy about that. Oh, uh, no. Yeah. It would have been taken forever. Devastating. No. Yeah, it does suck. uh I did pull Hella and Quinjet this week. Well, you know, whatever. Quinjet's one more card. Uh, I also pulled Rogue this week, which is interesting because I already had Rogue, but I had the winter version of her. So I got the variant before I got the card, which typically you can't get a variant for a card until you get the card, but with the winter collection, you could. So I actually got Rogue before I got Rogue. um But I have the real Rogue now. And then I have, uh, you know, my other cards. and. The the Hella deck is super fun. Uh, It's really random. Uh, I do have Invisible Woman, so it does allow me to play kind of like the set it all up and have it all go off at once style Hella deck, which has been a great deal of fun. Really enjoyed playing that a little bit. Still messing around with hazmat and trying to make that good. Hazmat got a little buff. A couple other cards got a little nerf this week, which made my hazmat deck a little bit better. Won a couple of games on stream today with it, which was really cool. And honestly, I've been really digging two drops cerebro. Um, I ended up, uh, I think last episode I said, I had just bought mystique. And so I now have the cerebro mystique deck and, uh, played that on stream a little bit today. have really enjoyed that deck as well. Um, love zabu uh like the you know it, it's I, because i have absorbing man and zabu i can do kind yeah. of like the moon girl zabu lock down everything with absorbing man spider-man endlessly type of strat it, it's not always great but it's kind of fun um but yeah I, I i've just been i've been sort of messing around with a handful of different decks we had that location this week the altar of death and uh which basically said everybody plays uh what was uh the oh bucky barnes or you lose the game mm-hmm. um <laughs> it's like bucky barnes here's a two mana six power get two mana next turn for free uh hated that uh so played a little bit around with that uh played my death deck a little bit i'm not missing anything like the kill everything deck except wave which the wave she hulk death variant of course is very good and the only card that I'm missing for the discard list is Gambit, which I actually passed locking wave up in my shop because I don't love her. But I would like Gambit because I'd love to play sort of like the the Invisible Woman into Wong Gambit Odin Strat that like kills off your opponent's entire board. Just obliterate everything. Uh, it's like shoots like eight times and kills eight of your opponent's stuff on the last turn. It doesn't happen often, but I'd love to see it happen. I think I would really enjoy that. Even might even run into my hazmat deck because a bit of redundancy for winning games. But yeah, that's what I've been in. So guys, this week, what we wanted to do, we talked about uh, our first impressions of the game and what that was like. And then we had a conversation in last week's episode where we talked about what's it like to build a collection. So this week, what we wanted to do was we wanted to talk a little bit about the meta because... It's kind of everybody's question. I, I was on stream the other day and someone was like, Where's the best place to find a net deck? You know, what's the best place to find a deck online? Um, and, and my response was kind of like, you don't really you might not need to do that, uh, because a lot of times the decks that you're gonna see online you're not gonna have the cards for anyway. Yeah, net decks are as are the this is the least
2: useful it's tough. Yes, net decks are the least useful for this than any other card game I've ever played.
0: Mm -hmm. But a lot of people, that's what they're going to come in with, right? Because they don't really want to they want to spend time playing the game, not building the decks. And, you know, they're going to come in asking, what's the meta like? What's the best deck right now? What's the best card right now? What do I need to be getting? Especially as you're building your collection, and you're learning what to pin in your shop and you're not just after fun stuff. You want to get the best stuff. I I totally get that, and so we wanted to have a conversation around the meta, a little bit about, like, who is this game actually for, what's the engagement from the devs look like with the community, how quickly do we change things, so let's kick off with what is the meta like in Snap, and does it matter? Um, DBN, I'm going to start with you, because I know that this is the least concern to you out of all the stuff we're probably going to talk about, but I thought I'd let you get your thoughts in first on what's the meta like in Snap, and does it even matter?
2: Yeah, I mean, I so here's here's the the truth of it. Um I don't know what the meta is. I mean, I have a loose understanding of um you know what's out there and some powerful combos and stuff just cuz I watch some content here and there, but you know, it's funny um I I mean, I think of the three of us um outside of maybe Mark's stint with Magic the Gathering. I probably have the most competitive experience in card games of the three of us. Um but I have no desire to grind, and this this is a a uh, this is a, a sort of a carryover from physical CCGs where I did a lot of mental reps when I was prepping for tournaments. I would do like dry runs of my opening hand, stuff like that. But my my whole thing is that like i you know I don't like grinding games um and this goes for any game I play outside of like an m m o where like I'll have like stints where I grind and then I'll take a break right um and you you know uh I love the laddering mechanics, I love the snapping mechanics, it's a lot of fun, <clears throat> but I just uh haven't gotten incentivized yet, i guess I'll say to want to put in all of that time. Getting up into those high, high, high ranks where meta becomes a lot more defined. People are only up there because they're grinding, and the people that grind are the people that net deck. And the people that um are, are sorting out, you know, here are the de- definitively strongest lists, and I'm going to either play them or account for them. Right? So, I'm not in that area. But I'll also say uh, the first couple seasons, I did, like, play a lot more than i currently did and that has to do with um you know what what other games i'm playing at the moment that i'm like really hooked on and also holidays like the holidays always just you know slow my gaming down when it's the summer i'm gaming constantly uh because it, I, I don't like the heat you know <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but right now i've got just a lot going on and so i haven't played as much i you know i was i would get up in like the 50s 60s um i think i hit the 70s one time um and even in that range though my experience was that it's a lot more fluid uh than people seem to think it is i'd see a lot of at the time when i was up there a lot of mr negative but it was never the same mr negative deck you know it was never the same tools around it now mr negative was quite strong but like everything in it is is fluid You see a lot of Wong decks. Well, is Wong going to go with um, Gambit? Is it going to go with Spectrum? Is it going to... You know what I mean? White Tiger, yeah. White Tiger, Odin. So, like, what's meta is not really... Like, what is the most optimized list out there isn't important. What is important, in my estimation, is knowing the cards and learning interactions. And so, like, you see a Wong then do the mental math of, like, let me look at what else they're playing and try to put together, oh, I see, like, a a Mr. Fantastic, I see a Quinjet, and I see a, you know, let's say Captain America. All right, it's going to be Spectrum. They played Wong, they're playing Spectrum. Got it. You know what I mean? And you can do those things, so, like, if you see the Mr. Negative and um, you can start going, well, they could be playing a lot of stuff here. you know, but I need to look at this location. Does it look like they're setting up for an Iron Man? You know, because that could yeah, massively sure. swing my math. You know what yeah, I mean? And so it's not as much about knowing the top lists or even replicating them. It's just about knowing the card pool. That is what's most important for being a top player.
0: Yeah, no, I completely agree with that. I'll chime in and then Gibby, let us know your thoughts on what's the meta and is it important? I think that the in my experience and this is because I watch some content creators on a pretty regular basis now playing snap at least this month as we're talking about it and uh there is there's there's sometimes there's something that sort of warps the meta a little bit um specifically I think leader leech is kind of warping the meta for a little bit probably still doing that a little bit um negative uh with Uh, like Silver Surfer has been really strong. And so it does seem as though there are specific decks that are strong, but because of your limited ability to collect every card in the card pool, unless you were one of those like really heavy hardcore into it since closed beta players, very frequently you have to do more with the cards that you have. One of my absolute favorite things has not been like, let's net deck and figure out what's good. But I did see someone who released like here is a deck that will revolve around every card in pool three. And so if you have a card in pool three and you want to be able to use it, look up a deck that uses that card. And it gives you an idea about what might synergize well with it. I think that's actually been really fun and, and really cool. There are certain decks that of course are going to be more meta simply because they're more accessible. Destroyer deck is very accessible. You need a card for it. The card I don't have in pool three, which is destroyer, Um for example, Hella is a lot less acceptable because or uh, accessible because there's so many cards from Pool Three. Hella,
1: aka my first Pool Three card. Yeah, your first. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And well, so you, you you know you could stop because mine was Invisible Woman. So you know it's it uh, all goes yeah, around. She's a, she's a little more flexible, but you go ahead,
0: Mark. Well, you she's she still 100 percent needs other cards to make use of her. Probably she yeah. goes in a lot of stuff, but she needs stuff to. not good on her own anyway uh so i think there was like you know i think that the meta does matter in this game depending on what point in the ladder you're playing on you will see reoccurring lists but i do think there's more variance in it than what i've seen in other games where you're right just because you see a deck with wong in it doesn't i maybe the most there there are decks that are telegraphed right things like patriot um yeah yeah movement decks right you can kind of think oh i'm gonna see this this and this card but i think one of the nice things about this meta is because of the locations it just feels substantially less rock paper scissors right i think this game would feel very rock paper scissors if you didn't get three random locations that you don't have control over when they flip at least and because you have those It means more flexibility in the meta and it means the player who understands the card pull more and knows how to pilot their deck better and knows sort of like what my opponent can do and has the ability to stay more flexible usually gets the upper hand in this game, which I think is really great. Those locations and the variants in them that you don't have control over, I actually think makes what is quote unquote meta matter less. You know, there's some locations where it's like, wow, that is awful for me. You know, the, you can't play cards here location, which I see way too much, is bad for a lot of decks. But if you're playing a movement deck or a hella deck or something that's going to summon stuff randomly to the board in different locations, you're kind of like, yeah, let's go. You know, and you're like, okay, I may have had the, I may have not had the upper hand in this matchup, but I now have the upper hand because of the location variance. Some people might say that's too much RNG for them, and we're going to unpack that later, but I think that is, Healthy for the meta because it just means that you're not as rock, paper, scissory. And I think in a game where you have 12 card decks, this, deck would, this game would get very rock, paper, scissory without locations. Um, for sure. Beyond that, the other thing that I'll just say about meta is they infuse the meta with a new card every month. And thus far, that card has been very impactful, right? We saw Black Panther come out, Black Panther, Zola. Very impactful. We saw Silver Surfer come out, five impactful Surfer decks. We saw Zabu come out, lots of impactful decks using Zabu. And I think that has helped that they've done this. Like once a month, we're going to release a card that is going to have a pretty significant impact on the meta, which keeps it feeling a little bit spicy, a little bit fresh. And then the other thing that impacts the meta a lot is the forced locations. Not that it's going to come up every game, but if it's going to come up more often and they're adding new locations, oftentimes those locations really do dictate what deck is good right now for the next four days um and so you, okay i want to climb well i gotta play death deck because altar of death is up right now that's the best way to climb is you know deadpool um i think that's a really interesting dynamic too the variance of locations the new locations the pushing of a location the new card once a month i think all all of that makes like the meta tier list substantially less important in this game for me anyway
1: yeah, I think a good phrase that happens in a lot of other card games, which is very applicable when you're evaluating power level and meta in Marvel Snap is the the phrase in a vacuum. Because there are, as you've mentioned, uh, both Ian and Mark, there are so many confounding elements that all coincide at one time that create such a variance in each of your individual games that, that happen. Not only what's in front of you, you don't pull all of your cards. You have 12 cards, and you can, you can, there can be a deck that's good that centers around one or two combo pieces being pulled to, to hit this big effect on turn six. But if you don't draw that turn six, if you don't draw that six drop, is your deck still good? Is this deck, does the deck still have a way to win? So there's there's a lot of things that, that go into each individual match. So when you're talking about meta, I think the only way that you really can look at it is, okay, eliminate all of the fluff, eliminate all of the variants in a vacuum. What combos are producing good numbers? Are they consistent? uh does it have a good curve how often is it hitting is it good against the other things that are in the game and i don't think that there's one answer to that unless it's something like for a time period where mr negative was so dominant that it was kind of undeniable that it was like oh if i pulled mr negative then the game's over because no matter what the other pieces in the deck versus what's out there in the balance of the other cards in the game it was was so warped that there there was almost like an auto concede it was like unless you hit the nuts and you had some really really good flips and locations you probably weren't beating that deck um but props to the to the devs they've they've fixed that to a degree and that card isn't so dominant anymore where you can't beat that deck Ian did you have something to say yeah no i was just going to like jump in there which is that it's not
2: a function of like your like, like, the devs are going to fix some things here and there. They've made a lot of, like, you know, micro adjustments uh, and whatnot. But it's not just the power of the cards that dictates, um like, playing the meta and ranking. It's yeah. also snapping strategy. And that's the thing that you see the most uh errors with, right? And, and I think that you could ha- be playing the strongest uh you know meta list with all the cards and if you are a reckless snapper uh or even if you are a timid snapper uh it can potentially uh slow or even um grind your your ranking to a halt and, you know, one of the things uh, I, I was seeing, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call him out and I, I hope he, he doesn't mind. I was reading in the, uh, the Discord today, one of our longtime listeners and, and, you know, one of the people that's helped out a ton when we were running LOR events and stuff like that, uh, Matrim, uh, was talking about he's been on an unfortunate losing streak, which I totally sympathize with, um, and just losing a ton of uh, cubes over, you know, in a row and just getting very frustrated. And one of the things that, um, you know, our lead admin chimed in with jeff he said um you know and matt was like i don't know what to do anymore and jeff just says stop snapping Mm. and you know it's an oversimplification but it's kind of true because sometimes you'll get in this this zone you'll get in this flow of like oh if i see this thing i'm gonna snap if i get this hand i'm gonna snap and there's some there's some like use to that if there's truly a broken deck But the thing is, is like you need to be I think this is actually one of the worst games for multitasking that there's ever been. You have to be 100 percent dialed into this game or you will be losing cubes because you will not be paying attention to when you should and shouldn't snap. And it's Mm. little things. You know what I mean? Um, And so uh, while this game is fast, it does require your focus and it requires you to consistently be reevaluating like. There was a deck uh, when Hella like uh, was first getting really popular, like really early on, and it was literally a script that you could follow for a snapping strategy. Um, that was like, if you don't see if if you don't see this, you retreat at one cube. If you do see this, you instantly snap. And some decks work like that. A lot of decks do not. You yep. can't sit there and rely on that because there's so many things that can disrupt them on your opponent's side. So you have to be like constantly yep. aware. So there's a there's a component where it doesn't matter how good your deck is, you still have to be a good player, and more than that, a good snapper. Because if you have a phenomenal win rate, but you're only getting two cubes per, it's
1: it may not work. You're not Climbing very fast. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And you know, I think those are great points, but um, and and all play into like the strength of a deck, and also you, the strength of a player. Um, but kind of as we return to the conversation around the meta itself, something I did want to note. That I mean, so there's there's a great website out there, Marvel Snap Zone, um, that you can go and get deck ideas. And and as we've mentioned earlier, you may or may not be able to play them exactly because of the cards in your collection. But I I went on there just to kind of get a feel of does it match up with the with the the decks that I've been seeing on the other side of me as I've been playing Snap quite often recently. And I have seen plenty of these decks. I mean, I'm not super high up in level. I'm probably like in the 50s, I think. Um, in terms of of rank, but the thing that I noticed about a lot of the decks that are out there with with the exception of certain decks like i don't know Galactus or Thanos, it seems that right now they're the most impactful cards that are driving a lot of what is considered in a vacuum, the meta are three and four cost cards they're just really impactful um kind of build upon tools like a silver surfer like a zabu like uh, wong all of those cards that are out there uh, even like a shuri or even like a sarah on turn five and on a little bit of a higher side there we're seeing a lot of decks emerge in this kind of mid-rangey like i'm mitigating some of the the variants of Yes, it may lower the ceiling slightly in occasion, but it's probably not worth planning on because there's so many times where the perfect hand doesn't fall to you mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. a location screws up your game plan. So, how can I consistently reach 75% power of my deck's ability? Is the what I'm seeing a lot of sure in in these meta in these meta decks. So, um having a solid mid-game, we talked about it a lot with Legends of Runeterra. Which was what is the most important turn? What is the most impactful turn and turn that, like, you have to have a solid amount of cards in? Which in uh, Legends of Runeterra, we talked about two drops and three drops being so important in that game because that essentially sets the tempo for the rest of the game. And if you fall too far behind, sometimes it can be really hard to catch up, or you're, if you're playing against an aggro deck, it just burns you down. Um, I think turn three and maybe turn four in this in, in snap is the most important because it, it's where you start to see power spikes you start to be able to determine you now have all of the information of all of your locations because one's revealed every turn one two and three and now you can start to make the determination to ian's point am i able to snap mm-hmm. does it look like this is a game that i'm going to be able to walk away with Based on the information of what I'm playing, what's in my hand, and what my opponent has out on the board so far, what are my odds? Sure.
0: I mean, there's no doubt that knowing when to snap and when not to snap is vitally important in this game. Going to continue to be as well. Like, that's a key piece of that game, a key central mechanic, um, enabling you to still climb. Even sometimes when you lose four or five games in a row, if you lose one cube on each of those, you're still climbing, right? And, And can make you decline if you're a bad snapper and you win five games in a row you can still go down ranks so definitely a key thing to master do your best to master in this game and good advice from jeff as well so the other thing we want to talk about is devs and their engagement with the game and the frequency with which things get changed now we are early in the story of marvel snap the longer card game is out typically the less frequent you see adjustments and changes and, and meta differences. Um, but, you know, what has been our opinion of so far? Because a lot, this is going to be the question of a lot of people, right? Well, how often do they adjust the cards? How often do they, how how clearly do they communicate? You know, how often do we get problem cards adjusted? Um, I think that's an important thing to, to have a quick discussion about. Um, I'll kick this one off. And my experience with Snap so far has been pretty positive. Um, they haven't said a lot of stuff that's been like overly archaic in terms of like when they come out and they say, we may or may not in the future one day consider making changes possibly to this card they pretty much come out and say it in fact recently they came out uh, ben brode had some little bit of archaic uh, conversation or, or comment about a uh, leader and then immediately came out afterwards and said to be clear that statement means that we are lowering leaders power this time but we are continuing to look at leader and have every intention of changing the way he works soon. And so like that was helpful. It like clarified some of the language because a lot of times video games nowadays have learned to use like very guarded language because they don't want to say they're going to do something and then not be able to do it. I have appreciated that. I've always liked Broad specifically as the lead developer for a game. Um, And so for me, because I, because I really enjoy, him i've enjoyed a lot of the communication that's come out from the team um i'm sure there's some people out there who are like yeah it's not enough we need more uh you know i coming from runeterra where i really feel like that game overpromised and underdelivered specifically in the area of card adjustments and communication from the mm-hmm. dev team um i i have found this to be on par with what i would expect a game to be i haven't been like oh my gosh the most transparent group of people ever they're constantly giving us updates They've given us accurate roadmaps. We've had a pretty good idea about what's coming next. They seem to be active in adjusting cards. They have a lot less cards to keep track of.
1: That's helpful as well. I also think that they're doing a better job out the gate of not putting broken things out there that need adjustment, which helps them in turn be able to not have to intervene so quickly. And Either that or they've put out a bunch I mean, of broken stuff on. and it's all
0: kind of tied. <laughs> that, you know
1: right so like early on i think there were some issues i mean and i expect that from a game like until you get in the public's hand and so it's it's hard like to like, before test. release
0: yeah because you guys were in the yeah beta. before
1: right and even i think upon release there still was a little bit of questions of like some some of the cards that were out there or or the power level of, of things but i don't know i haven't felt overwhelmingly like there has been hot button cards that need hot fixes mm like there might have been. I also think Snap at at this point is a much simpler beast to be able to tame than probably Hearthstone was back in in the day and even now just because there's a lot less moving parts and the card pool is a lot smaller and there's not all these different factions that you have to um and classes that you have to balance. Like so th- I think the game itself is more streamlined which I don't sure. know if it was intentionally if they said, hey, look, we want to be able to keep this game in a good, positive light. And we've learned that watching LOR and other games, when games get out of control and power balance isn't, isn't something that we have in check, that's what drives players away. Like I don't know if that's information that they're looking at or if that's a commentary that they've had, and that's why they've made this game more simple. But I I, I don't think that... I think it's going to be easier for them to keep things in line for now sure within snap and keep the player base happy and i've I've been happy with the communication of it uh debian what are your thoughts on on kind of some of the communication from the devs yeah i mean i think the
2: communication is very solid uh i i you know gibby you know this i we play pokemon unite which has some of the worst communication uh <laughs> out there uh they don't even <laughs> oh, yeah, they don't even great. translate their patch notes to english every time uh so like you know it's it's uh There are plenty of examples of games that do this terribly. Um, And this is a game that's doing it while not the most transparent I've ever seen. I'm not going to complain. I mean, heck, Mark knows what uh, Elder Scrolls Legends was uh, for a while, you know, Um, and they had a community manager that was really involved in the community at one point, and they wouldn't let him say anything. Yep. They literally wouldn't let Bethesda would not let him say anything um and so it's you know it's a a difficult situation for video games i know gamers are rabid animals uh and it's (laughs) uh it's it's a shame that it's come down to that um but I, i i think they're doing an admirable job ben brode has always been pretty good about communications and the thing is is that he goes out and he does these statements with uh utter confidence um which i think is like something that like he he, ben bro does not give the perception that he's going to back down to what any you know sweaty nerds on reddit say yeah um which is good most of the time bad when he posts uh that uh he doesn't believe that the hunter class should have strong spells that that irritated me um (laughs) at the time but you know what you knew he was gonna do what he says he's gonna do which i appreciate (laughs) um Yeah, no. So I'm very pleased with how things are going. And that's, you know, to to Mark's point, when I heard Broad was attached to the project, I was like, okay, I'm pretty excited. um, Because communication is so big on building a positive community. Um, From a balanced perspective, I will uh, poke a tiny bit of criticism, and that I think that they could do more um, maybe not more aggressive balancing, but a little more creative balancing. Mm, okay. um, I understand that there are a lot okay. of coding issues uh, that they would have to do if they want to um tune things down like but through reworking card effects. And I don't expect that to happen all the time uh, i I do wish that that would have been uh a, a that situation would be deployed more often, um especially when it comes to massively underplayed cards. Um, and especially when it comes to wildly overpowered cards, um, they basically nerfed Mr. Negative's um power like four times before he finally got into a spot that he was not the dominant force and he's still very strong, hmm. you know what I mean? So, these one power adjustments, while one power. Don't get me wrong, it makes a big difference from a mathematical perspective. I mean, you'll the difference between a 17 and 18 is huge when the other board has a 17 and an 18, right? Um, but uh in the case of certain card effects, I find that like these little tiny, you know, one power adjustments, not only are they not always very effective, they're always they're not very interesting. And I think that I would love to see cards like the thing, like Cyclops, um, get more in the i'm calling out two cards that i think are um that have zero power or the zero effect but cards that i think are so popular that maybe they deserve an effect um Hmm. you know and it's it's a shame that the leader of the x-men uh you know or one of the leaders of the x-men doesn't have an effect um and that's a bummer right uh and i also think you've got a lot of cards that are sitting uh, especially like pool one pool two cards uh that are just sitting in obscurity right now that could that could get a little bit of a get a little bit of love, um, in some more creative, dynamic uh, adjustments. So that that's all I'll say in terms of adjustment. In terms of the rate of balance, very pleased,
0: very mm, pleased,
2: and yeah. how frequently they're reevaluating things. And you know, these little one power adjustments enable them to do micro adjustments. I just would like to see a couple big reworks come out, just to show that they're willing to do that just be a bit more bold maybe yeah yeah and i think it's i i don't think and i've always had this opinion uh especially coming from dota 2 where i've spent like thousands of hours they would do these big sweeping changes and you're never not gonna have a top deck that's the reality yeah in, especially in card games there will never not be a quote-unquote broken but in my opinion our the card game community uses the word broken far too often um you know what you're talking about is Overall powerful um, and consistent. I mean, that's what makes something quote unquote broken, is if it's highly powerful and highly consistent. Okay, yep. there's always going to be a top dog, you know. But if you do these big sweeping changes, I I think that at least makes people excited for a short time uh to try out some of the cards that went from obscurity to relevance. Um so I would love to see that. And then of course, you know, I don't think coming out of the the beta. I think it would have been uh, upsetting to no one had negative got a rework. Now, granted, you know, he's not as strong as he used to be, but he's still quite good. He's still in a couple top decks. So it's like, you know, people get tired of playing against the same thing over and over again. Um, And so just giving him something that made him maybe like uh, a little bit less efficient. I think that Mm. would have been a better alternative. But hey, um Overall, again, not trying to, to be a stick in the mud about this stuff. I think that overall, net positive. I give them an 8 out of 10 on balancing. And compared to most games, that's pretty darn
0: good. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Wait, We want to work our way towards the end of the conversations for this episode. We're going to kick things back to DBN in just a second. Um, but one of the things that we want to talk about is, like, who is this game for? And we talk about this in terms of Spikes, Timmy's. And Johnny's, this is gonna be a conversation you're gonna hear a lot throughout our episodes, but especially because it's the first time that we're doing it. Um, DBN, would you give us a quick overview of what we're even talking about when we say, is this for Spike, is this for Timmy, or is this for Johnny?
2: Yeah, so way back in the day, um, you know, in uh Magic the Gathering is where it originated, and I think it came in one of the 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 magazines that they used to print, uh that Wizards of the Coast would print for uh uh, to support their products and stuff like that that you could subscribe to and, and get a magazine delivered in the mail. I think that's where it originated. Uh, but this archetype of what uh, a card game player, um, h- how they act and what they like to do uh, came out. And it it, it, it threw three uh, names out there. I believe that there's a fourth out there. Um, but for the purpose of this conversation, you have these three archetypes. You have Spike. Now, Spike is an e- extremely competitive player. The satisfaction that a Spike will derive Is has everything to do with advancement up the ladder or the rank. It has to do with winning. And the margins by which Spike wins don't matter. It's the end result and the consistency of a winning performance. So if you think about if a Spike plays 10 games and wins 9 of them, the Spike is going to be annoyed and bummed out about the one game that didn't win. Okay? Sure. So uh, even if all the 9 games uh, were won by a very thin margin, those are great. It's about the end result for the spike and about seeing, you know, about the prestige. If there's some more involvement there, hitting the highest rank, being seen as a top player. Yep. Um, Timmies are an interesting situation, and uh, a lot of new players begin as Timmies. Um, and Timmies can bleed over into Spikes and they can bleed over into Johnny's, which we'll get to in a minute. But Timmies uh, are about the experience. And so the experience can be winning winning's great i don't think anyone is going to argue with winning but for a timmy it's about how you do it it's about um usually uh timmy's are attracted to really big flashy plays winning by a blowout and so if timmy plays a deck that wins five out of ten games but the games that they win are these huge amazing high stat you know scores that's awesome they are happy to play meta decks, but they will often gravitate towards ones that have experiences, right? Mm. Getting to see a, a, a 102 power Black Panther. That's cool, right? Um, And so then you have Johnny's and Johnny's uh, are basically uh, theory crafters, experimenters. These are people that they derive their satisfaction uh out of getting deep into the mechanics, trying new things out, frequently testing things, um, learning about the ins and outs of both the metagame and the card pool in order to create something original and unique and typically uh, effective. Um, And so these three archetypes uh, are things that each player has a little bit of, but the the sliding scale will be higher uh, depending on the person and what they're looking to get out of the game. So when we're having this discussion, we're saying, You know, is this good for Spikes, Timmy's or Johnny's? That is sort of the basis that we're going with. So kicking it back to uh, Gibby, Gibby, if you were going to look at this game holistically and you were going to say, I think this is a great game for these, uh, you know, personas for different reasons or not good for these personas for different reasons, um, what would you say? And also just as part of this, what do you feel you are in the game right now?
1: Well, I think the I think the overarching category that I fall into as a game player also matches how I feel in Snap right now and I am I'm an, I'm predominantly a Johnny. Um there's a reason that the the moniker that goes in front of my name before of every episode is catastrophically creative because I love theory crafting and deck building but also trying to make my own creations refined and and competitive. So I I think this game as a whole, because we, as we've talked about, you don't typically have all of the cards, and it forces you to get creative and figure out ways to make a deck work that is suboptimal or outside of of the the box of a keyword. I, I think I think this game is great for Johnny's. I also think this game is great for Timmy's because there is the ceiling of being able to pull off high variants in in cool plays and there are combos that in loops and things like that that if 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 all of the cards fall into place and you get a really cool location that your your on reveal effects happen twice and you have wong out there and then you have odin and you've got black panther or something like that and you you basically just like loop these over and over and over again or you kill your opponent's entire deck or you create these huge giant totals uh i that's a very there's very much a possibility for timmy's to get their fix in in uh marvel snap now for for spike i don't necessarily think that there isn't a place for spike in this and i think because of the the mechanic of you only play cards you only play against players that have roughly the uh, within reason a collection pool that you do um with with going off of the collection levels i think that is a built-in mechanic for spikes to not get outclassed early and and make it inviting for spike players to be able to play but i i think out of the 3 that it this game is the least for spikes
2: mm
0: it's interesting you know I've played a lot of different card games now um not many of them at like the highest level very rarely Uh, Maybe Tessel being one of the only ones that I played at a pretty high level consistently. And I think that this game uniquely does all three really well. Um, I'm primarily a Timmy. I like to see big numbers. This is why Hazmat Control is my favorite deck because I can lose 12 games and then I can get one game where my opponent has negative 20 or 70 points at every one of his locations. And I'm like, yes, this was amazing. Uh, I'll not forget the screenshots where I had uh, two times in one night hit uh, hit a four million power Black Panther um because of doubling on Onslaught Citadel and Wong and all of and Odin and all of the things. Like we got it at four mil. Um, that I love. Like I love that element of this game. I think it's super interesting. I love like the big plays that sort of trick your opponent. And so this game is for me in that way. It is for me. The guy who wants to get creative in deck building, It's inter- I think that it is uh, as you're growing, right? Because you don't have every card accessible to you, so you have to get creative with the cards that you have. I do think there actually is a, a surprisingly large amount of creative deck building in this game because everything is a one of. I do think that the game, once you have a full collection, some of that variance might not be great, so I wonder if it just takes so long to get to the full collection, right? Um, and even if you get your full tier three, you know every tier four and five card kind of makes a new deck. And so it allows you to get really creative with those cards. The longer I've played this game, the more the decks have become same E and the less creative I've been able to be with it. I think there actually is room for spike here um, just simply because of the snapping mechanic. I think there's a lot of spikes that will enjoy mastering that snapping mechanic, and I mean, there are some pretty clearly meta decks, right? Like, if if you don't, if your whole goal is to get as high as you can, and you just want to win games, you play Patriot, right? And you're not, you know, that's not engaging to me. I've never really liked Patriot myself, but I could totally understand what would be engaging about it to somebody else. So, for me, I actually think it's a game that fits all three type of players in a really unique way, and honestly, maybe the least of those is a Timmy, Um, Or is that a Johnny? Whichever one is the one that likes to do creative deck building. That's Johnny. Johnny. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe the least of all Johnny, but not for a very long time. Like you'll probably play this game for months before you get almost or every card in the game. And then you start finding yourself feeling like it's a little samey. And even at that, like you might be like, well, maybe there's a new way to play Thanos or, oh, there's an, and I think the other thing that keeps it interesting is like the new card that comes out and every single month. And if you're willing to throw the 10 bucks at the game every month, that create some really interesting deck building as long as they keep printing impactful cards. Um, Next month's card, I think, is a five mana eight power that discards your entire hand. Maybe there's some interesting stuff to do with it, but it's probably going to be behind an invisible woman in the turn before Hella. Like, I'm not sure what else you're going to do with it. I don't know how it could be. I don't know how they could consistently make as impactful cards as Silver Surfer and Zabu. In other words, I, I would be interested to see how they go about figuring out that to make it consistently engaging for the Johnny. But yeah, that's kind of my thoughts. I think it, it could be for all three. Um, but certainly if you're a Timmy, like Timmy's got, he's got room to play. Like it's super memey and super fun and super crazy and weird stuff. And it's like, it's all combos, right? You got six turns, it's all combos. Figure out the best way to combo. I think that's super fun.
2: Yeah, uh, I, I don't have much more to add to this, except I fully agree uh, with uh, with Mark that Timmy's have. This is a perfect, perfect game for Timmy's. And I think. The short length of the game contributes that too. Hmm. Um the games are quick. You you see if you get your combo or you see if you get your to do your cool thing that you're excited about. You get to play the card that you're really that's new, that you're amped about, and then you get to do it again and again. And again. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think get multiple reps out. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um similarly, uh, I agree uh with Gibby that I think that spikes will be divided over this game. Hmm. I th- I so you know, I think you guys sort of presented two sides to the spike argument, right? Um and I am a I typically am a spike. I mean just Gibby knows this but literally in everything I do I I try to master it to be the best to understand the systems and to exploit them to get a competitive advantage right um I'm not I do like creating things um but I only ever like creating things if it's to manipulate the meta because I'm aware of it and I'm like you know anti meta right I do prefer to play anti meta stuff but like the reality is this game has a lot of anti-meta, so that's good. It's got a lot of counters. If you really are aware of what's going on, you can build decks to um, you know, supplement your chances against certain things with tech cards. But at the same time, this game, because it's so short, because variance is so high with the locations, there's a lot of Timmy players that I or not Timmy, excuse me, uh spike players that I think, like myself, get frustrated because skill expression can be very quickly uh eroded by um a, a flip of a mindscape mm. you know mm. oh i have to trade my turn six hand well there goes my thanos that's bo- that's boosted you know what i mean and there goes or my my uh you know uh I, I i play a lot of uh electro mana ramp with like um you know garganto and uh uh or infinite and then using arnim Zola or taskmaster to clone them basically um you know if i if i hit that I'm just done. And like the skill of like p- correctly placing everything and, you know, playing around what the opponent does is gone. Right. And so there's some frustration there. Now, I think once you get over that, and this is a, this is something that Hearthstone had to contend with a lot of RNG. This, this game has RNG. Now it's controlled RNG, which can be fun. Hence the Timmy's. You could get some wacky stuff because you get a location in your favor, but for a spike, that's the kind of thing that will erode their trust. In the fact that if I play this game, is it going to reward me for being skilled enough? And for me, I found that that's not been the case. I love it, but I've learned I can't play it with a spike mentality or I get very tilted. Mm. Um, and so, you know, because like I said earlier, that one out of 10 games that you get screwed by a mindscape is what you'll remember as a spike
0: player that's interesting because there is a lot of games in this that you just have to surrender because you just got a bad flip, right? Weird world came up and you didn't have your pieces. The one that, you know, draws three cards and destroys the rest of your deck and your neighbor, you know, your opponent got death in hand. And for some reason that works, Um, you know, or when you, or when you,
1: yeah,
2: there's a lot of that stuff. I, I, and so I, you know, I am a player that I love to play competitively. I take things very seriously, but I also, One, I don't have time to grind the game, like Mm. just where I am at in my personal life and my career. I don't have time to grind as much as I need to to overcome the randomness gap.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, I I get that. Yeah, I I, and I I didn't really think about that too much, but there is a tremendous amount of RNG in locations and I it it, it, wouldn't work (sighs) without it. No, it wouldn't. It wouldn't. And it is frustrating for me, too. And I'm not really a spike player in this game either. You know, I'm definitely, I've definitely found my my bent more as a Timmy player. But even at that, sometimes the locations just completely, I have the right hand of cards and I can pull off my combo and the location flips and says, shuffle your hand into your deck and get three new cards. And I'm yeah, like,
2: Adelan. Yeah. I <laughs> hate, that, I hate that one. Shuffle five yeah. <laughs> cards, shuffle five
0: rocks into your it's deck. Not fun. And draw nothing that you want. And by the way, that actually reads put five car put five rocks on the top of your deck. In case you didn't know, that's what yeah. it actually said. <laughs> at least for you. You always, yeah. you always draw three of them at for for Gibby,
1: it'll be the bottom five of the deck. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so frustrating. So frustrating. <laughs> they play Yondu with discards a rock. Oh, thanks,
0: bud. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My my when my opponents play Yondu, they actually only hit Wong. That's they <laughs> Iceman only hit Zabu and and yeah. Yondu only hits Wong. Um, and so, you know, I, I, I do, I, I feel like the randomness of the location can be really frustrating in this game, but I've also learned that like, Hey, yeah, that's the case. The games are quick. Um, you can flip them quickly. I I have
2: learned to enjoy it as a Johnny and a Timmy. That's where I'm at. Mm -hmm. Like I have shifted my expectations of the game accordingly, which is something that I think five years ago, I wouldn't have been able to do. And I would have quit the game. Yeah. But now, yeah. and, and and I'll say this, I think if I wasn't so obsessed with the IP, it might not keep me around. Yeah, I love true. Marvel it's, to it's... death. I'm willing to give it a big pass on something uh, because at, at the core, the game is unique and, and a strong game, really enjoyable. Uh, I just have to shift how I enjoy it. And I'm willing to do that because I think they do so much right in all of these other areas, collection, so much right when it comes to the card art and you know and the flavor of the game and the design of the cards and the mechanics there's so much to do right that in, when in combination with the fact that i'm just i'm a huge marvel nerd i i'm willing to change my play habits to enjoy it
1: yeah
0: yeah absolutely
1: well i think being the johnny with the splash of
0: timmy it sounds like i'm in the right game there you go you are i think <laughs> <laughs> Well, I you know I uh, I think this has been a great discussion and would be really helpful for anybody who's like thinking, do I want to get into Marvel Snap? Is that going to be my game for 2023? This might be the most helpful episode we've done so far about like, is this game going to be the game for you long term? It's definitely one of the card games that I've played more of than what I actually expected to. Like, I got into it not thinking that I would love it as much as I do. And I really do love it. I played every day multiple times a day and probably will even when we move into a a new game uh, next month. So we have one episode left uh, of season four where we're going to be covering Snap. So come back next week for that final episode. Join us on Discord as well and visit us on Patreon, patreon.com slash camp legend. You can grab the link for that in the description of this episode. Thank you guys so much for tuning in this week. We really appreciate you and be sure to come back again next week. Thanks for listening to this episode of Legends Cast. You can join our podcast community by joining Discord using the link in the description of this episode. You can become a supporter of the show by visiting Patreon.com/slash Camp Legend, and don't forget to check out all of the other shows in the Camp Legend podcast network.